You yeah, know, yeah, that's good, coach. And if you are one that struggles with envy or jealousy, let me just tell you real fast, real fast. how I learned. Oh, I Ooh, I got some feedback. Oh, mm-hmm. there we go. How I learned uh, to navigate through that, because I think a lot of times envy and jealousy, like you said, it can show up in anyone, but especially I feel, and this is probably every human on the planet, but people that have had particularly traumatic backgrounds and an absence, like if you always wanted a dad and the dad wasn't around, or if your mom was really strict and mean and your friend's mom was always nice and made y'all cookies and liked you, you know, those are things where your your heart will naturally be envious or jealous. Like, man, I wish I had that. Well, when I was in, let's see, I think I was in my thirties. Um, I had gone to, uh, this lady's house. And what was interesting is I wasn't jealous of her because I actually thought she was a gossip and she was jacked. And sure enough, she ended up being jacked, Um, which that's one benefit of trauma and dealing with difficult people is you can recognize a snake when you see it a lot of the times. But um, she they had just moved into this beautiful home. And I still lived at my little house and I loved my little house. But when I drove away from her home, I, I could feel that pang of you know, envy or jealousy. Well, what was interesting is later I told her, I said, you know, I just want to confess um, as, you know, friend to friend, because at the time we were friends, that my heart had jealousy when I drove off the other day. And that's not good. And I just wanted to be honest and let you know. And she said, you weren't jealous of the house. You're jealous for something in, in like you feel it's intangible. And so explore that and that will help you. I was like, man, that is good. So I got in the car this time and I was like, okay, what did I really like? Because I don't want a house that big. That's a lot more work, et cetera. I don't like high flute neighbors where you can't, you know, let your hair down and go outside in your pajamas. And, uh, and so I'm like, you know, what, what was it? And it was the home feeling. I liked the home feeling. And that's very important to me because I kept getting shuffled and dropped off at different homes. And so that was where that came from. And then once I recognized it, I was able to take steps to incorporate that more into my life and to also recognize that I had it to a degree, I could just go to the next level. So just to, you know, like you sent me um, that intuitive, you know, when you're feeling anger, ask what is anger trying to tell you? And it's the same thing. When you experience, to me, when you experience jealousy or envy, ask, what is it trying to tell you? So I just want to give that out because there might be some people listening to us, Coach, that they do battle with jealousy and envy. And also, if you're over-attaching to people, it will never end up well, ever, ever. So you have to make sure that you hang on loosely. It doesn't mean you don't value but when I say overattach, it's where another person becomes so much of your world that your whole life is dependent on them. And it, like I said, it always goes south because that's not healthy. And then all of a sudden your world implodes, which we'll get into that a little bit more once I can share my story. But wouldn't you say that's really important, Coach, on any relationship or even outcome? You know, what you were saying is so, I think one of the most, the secret, okay, I'm just going to call this a secret, okay. but it's not really a secret. When the feelings come, that is the blessing. We've been conditioned 
to ignore them and turn them into something else. But when the feeling comes, it's the blessing. When you feel, you know, like what's going on inside of me? Yeah. Why am I feeling this way? That's the point where you're about to be released into another life that's going to just really benefit you or you're going to slip down a rabbit hole. That's good. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you feel jealous, if you feel nervous, if you feel frightened or whatever, if you confess that you feel those feelings, then you give yourself the power to change it. Yeah. Right. Because once you tell the truth, you get another thought. It's like, why am I feeling angry right now? Guess what's going to happen? Your brain is going to pull that file cabinet out. And it's like, this is why. Remember one, two, and three? And the the level of intensity is going to match up perfectly to what gets pulled out of your file cabinet memory. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And what did you do? You came back and you said to that person, you are a friend of mine. This is what I had in my heart when I left. You did two things. You told the truth and you acknowledged that you were vulnerable. Because when you went back with the truth, that person could have said something else other than what they did. But instead, your honesty allowed them to see, helped them to see you in a way that you needed to be seen so they could reflect back to you, Sherry, you're not jealous of me. What you sense in this space is something you didn't have when you were growing up. And and your soul wanted it. That's what you wanted it. You wanted a sense of family and connection, cohesion that you didn't have. That goes into your head and it's like, oh, you know what? Thank you for telling me that. Yeah. So now you understand that I'm not jealous of a person. There is a life that I want to experience and it motivates me, Mm -hmm. right? And that's how it should be for all of us. You know, when you look out and you see something and it's like, you know, what? I don't want what that person has, but they inspired me to go after something that I want. There's nothing wrong with that level of fire that burns inside of us. Coach, I'm kind of like having a, you know, moment here because yeah. in the last like two or three conversations, I think the last two you've talked about, you know, like when I had a conversation with you when you were moving that I was vulnerable and then in this situation that I was vulnerable, I've never seen me, myself, me-self, I've never seen me-self uh, as being vulnerable and now I'm sitting here thinking, am I? And I just never knew that I was. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, yeah. I'm having a what? Because you know, we're, t- <laughs> I'm trying to stay focused, <laughs> but we're, because we're talking about patterns and we still are, we, we're still talking about patterns, but yeah. I'm like, man, because the way I interpreted that was integrity. I, I didn't interpret it as being vulnerable. I inter- interpreted it as I'm a person of integrity. And so integrity requires honesty and having those conversations, but coach, my mind is blown. I'm going to have to set down. See, this is what coach does. You know, (laughs) like while he's talking, I start sweating. I'm like, man, it is hot in here because the excitement of this thing hitting me is like, what? And, uh, uh, so yeah, I'm going to have to journal on this coach because I never connected those dots. Yeah. yeah. 
Chief. You know, so, you know, one of the things that happens in the type of system we live in, you get conditioned out of authentic feelings, right? So, um, <laughs> he just said so, another bomb conditioned out of authentic feelings. <sighs> yes, yes. So, back to nature. When uh, the lion on the plane, when they are talking, and as a matter of fact, when you hear them, they sound more like, than right. they do like, wow, like yeah. we think of, yeah. right? But they can tell in the sound that, oh, shit, it's eight, it's, it's, or six brothers. There's six males coming this way. There's only him and his brother that's protecting his pride. Okay. They know that they are vulnerable because they they can tell by the numbers. They okay. can hear it. They know they're vulnerable. So even when they go into the fight, they have that within them. That's why you can see them run away. You see a female lion go in and jump on a couple of hyenas because she says, I'm going to take your food. And then she looks up and here comes some other hyenas coming. What does the lioness do? She books it out of there, right? It is not because she is afraid or that she can't kill. She is vulnerable. She knows the numbers. She mm -hmm. says, this is not good for me. We have been taught that vulnerability is a weakness. And that is a mistake. When you process vulnerability as a weakness, that forces you to pull down the blinds on your internal knowing. Yeah. And that is when you're getting ready to make another mistake. That is when the history is getting ready to repeat itself. Oh, I don't care about so-and-so. It's like, yes, you do. And if you don't, you will do. Yeah. Like Yoda said to uh, Luke, Luke said, I'm not afraid. And Yoda looked at him and said, you will be. You will be. <laughs> so what? So in my, so I hope this is helping people because I'm, I'm not trying to have a coaching session here. So with your analogy, so what I did is I assigned, now I am a person of integrity and that played a role, but I assigned that core value to being vulnerable uh, because I don't like being vulnerable. In fact, not only is it a D trait <clears throat> as far as personality, but my dad, you know, he just, you know, he, he was on the, you know, the streets. And so he learned a lot of things. Right. And I remember he would just pound it in my head. Uh, don't ever let anybody take advantage of you. Be on guard, you know, um, show up in power. Like, I mean, he just, you know, constant because people, they're in it for themselves. That's what they're going to do and blah, blah. And he actually loved people. He had great relationships. He just knew that people, um, for whatever reason, will let you down. And uh, so that that was like, never let anybody see weakness. That's how I interpreted those statements. And so weakness to me meant being vulnerable. But being vulnerable needs to be strategic and calculated. So if you go back to the situations like you can be vulnerable, but you want to make sure that who you're being vulnerable to in the situation you're in meets the qualifications we discussed earlier, but also your own core values, you know, are going to be important to you when you find that person.
You know, I'll just say this. Vulnerability is just what it says. It's vulnerability. Um, and you don't really protect it. Not in the sense that I'm going to gird myself against being hurt. Right. What protects vulnerability is authenticity and truth, mm. right? Um, you can't stop your feelings from being hurt, but you can stop from dwelling in a, in a negative mental space, right? Yeah. You can't stop yourself from feeling rejection, but you can, you can be authentic and say, you know what? I really cared about that person. I really, really liked it, but it didn't work out that way. That's, a, that's, that's painful. Okay, I, I can accept that, but now I can move on. But if I say, you know what, screw him, screw her, whatever, guess what? That is a block in the thinking. Because now what we did was we took anger and resistance and we put that up there to leverage against being hurt. But because anger and resistance are not authentic feelings, they cannot remove what is felt deeply inside. So when I say, hey, look, you know what? I love this person. They don't want to be with me anymore. And it's like, you know what? Damn, I'm going to really miss you. That woman was right. Mm -hmm. But you know what? She's gone now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say, you know what? You know, I cared about her or whatever that situation was. But I'm going to bless myself instead of holding on to anger. Yeah. So when I when the next relationship comes into my life, I can recognize it because the universe is like, you know what? That relationship needed to show you something else. But if you learn what that relationship is showing you, when the other one comes, you can step into it. Mm -hmm. If we don't learn, number two becomes like number one, number number three becomes like number two, number four becomes like three, and so on. And then after a while, you know, the guy's like, I've been married five times. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and everybody else is chuckling. It's like, I'm not chuckling. You ought to be poor as hell by now, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was thinking when you talked about the, you know, one and two and three and four, you have to understand, like Coach was saying earlier, that, you know, a file cabinet will open and your brain will just start pulling out all these files. And so one of the things that um, is important to point out is number one, so like the work we're talking about where you recognize a pattern or you recognize something that made you, you know, find yourself in a, the current situation and you process through journaling and finding that person of discretion, et cetera, that's, that's good data. The other yeah. data you need to be aware of, which we've alluded to, is that in any crisis, your brain is going to pull the files out and, be, and, and try to reinforce victim mentality if you're not careful and reinforce, like, see, this always happens to you, or it'll pull those emotions up that actually are not relevant to the current crisis. So uh, emotions are shortcuts for the brain. And that's why it does that. So if it sees something it likes, even if it's bad for it, if it has that good emotion attached, the dopamine, the endorphins, et cetera, it's like, oh, this is a good thing. And so it'll come into agreement with your desire. And then before you know it, you know, you're doing that drug again, or you're losing all your money and gambling, or you find that that bad relationship again. But the the other thing is that when you're in a current situation that may be similar, you need to be very aware 
if you're assigning past things to this current one. So it's almost like, huh, it's like you're piling on stuff and you need to make sure that you're not doing that. So I've got an example real fast of a lady who lost her dad after just barely reconciling after 10 years of not talking. And she decided she was smart. She decided she'd go back to her um, coach, her counselor who is licensed and uh, process the grieving. So one of the things that she realized is because she got really mad at her mom and I'm, and I remember talking to her and I'm like, well, she's always been this way. Like, I don't know why all of a sudden you're mad, except that maybe it's tied to your dad passing away. And so when she went to the counseling, it was funny. The counselor said, okay, tell me about the anger. And she's like, I'm not angry. And when she was telling me this story, I'm like, oh, hell yes, you're angry. I was with you. You were like yelling at this person on the street and poor ladies backing out and you're doing hand gestures and yelling at them. And I'm like, they're just trying to get out of the parking spot. You know, it's like, and so the, the lady looked at her like BS as well. And she's like, you know, I have been, well, here's the revelation she came to. She was mad at her mom because she wanted her to be what her dad was. Cause she didn't have that anymore. She also recognized that she was trying to assign the relationship and certain aspects of the relationship with her dad to her husband. And her husband had enough vulnerability to say, I'm sorry, I don't know how to be or do that. And and so it was interesting in that she was assigning the current crisis to the two most important people in her life. One, he was able to say, I, I can't do that. And she was able to process, but the other she hadn't yet talked to, and she's mad at her for things that she's done her whole life. So be very wary of that. Again, this is why what we're saying is um, freedom is a thinking person's experience. If you want to get out underneath what you're under, you have to be thinking about it. If you stick with the assumption, you're going to be broke down, right? So... um, you know, so instead of saying stop the BS, we just say stop the cap, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, freedom is a thinking person's experience. That's so good. My goodness. You know, so you want to be free. What am I doing, right? How do, if you think about it, did that man, did that woman, did they just think about it? Mm-hmm. And then what do you want to do next? Right. Yeah. But if you turn it off, if you turn off the thinking function, don't call somebody three weeks later and said, I can't believe that guy was so and so. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. What about those signs that he showed you in the beginning or what she showed you in the beginning? It's kind of like. Keep your thinking cap on. Don't be scared. But be open so you can see. Yeah. Right. Sometimes it is better to let a person do whatever it is they're going to do so you can see it. Don't stop them. And when you see it, it's like, damn, that hurts me. But I'm glad you showed me that because now I can stop around with you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I gave myself a beat. <laughs> I will say, uh, you know, recently, again, you know, in the situation, um, I'm very glad I was a thinking person, Coach, because the first part, it wasn't very productive because I was thinking of violence. <laughs> Yeah. And when I say well, violence, you, think, you got to think that thought too. <laughs> I mean, like, vi- like physical violence. And then I kept, it was like, be smart, be smart. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be smart. 
And yeah. and so that brought me freedom because I probably would have like literally ended up in jail. Um, so I want I want to make sure people hear this. Freedom is a thir- thinking person's experience. That yeah. is so good, Coach. That's one of those bombs. I want to make sure people grab. So do you have anything else? To add as nah, we finish we, this up, nah, Coach? No, nah, we can end right there. We can end at that one. So I got to tell you something funny, Coach, uh, on okay. the uh, jealousy thing. Okay. Are See, we still alive? We're, we're live, Coach. Oh, okay. I just want you know, just in case I respond a certain way. Go ahead. <laughs> so I'm, I'm driving around, you know, yesterday, Coach, as you know, in my, <clears throat> you might get jealous here, 1970 Chevelle Super Sport with a 454, 535 uh, horsepower, 573 torque. Okay. Painted black with red stripes that turn into flames, you know. Got my hair down, coach, my aviator sunglasses on, the windows down. <laughs> and people are almost wrecking when I go, I mean, seriously, several times. And uh, I was thinking, man, I bet there are some people out there that wish they had this. <laughs> So that's the other side of the jealousy is the other part where you're like, you want my car, don't you? Of course, if you're not a car person, you don't. But the reason I want to share that is when you're going through a difficult situation, ask yourself, how can I have fun? Okay. So for me, anytime I'd see my car, or think about my car. Because I've waited a long time. It's a graduation present for my dad. I put his dog tags on the mirror. I put a little Marine Corps bear in the back seat. I don't care if I'm 50. Um, and, you know, Yoda is on one side of my, you know, window. And the So right. having fun, having those things that bring a smile to your face is really important when you're going through difficult times. So I just want to encourage people because there's, I, I can't think of a single person that doesn't have challenges. How can you have fun in the midst? It's one of the biggest confidence boosters and also joy boosters. So I just want to leave people with that. Choose joy over jealousy. Choose confidence over victimhood. Create structures that force you into those places so that you can navigate through the crisis well. That's 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 perfect. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll end it right there. That's perfect.